Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome back to the Soulful and Authentic Podcast. I'm Joanne Oswell-Jones, your host, and this is Season 1, Episode 6, and Part 3 of my story, The Task Ahead is Never as Great as the Power Within. Today, I'm going to be sharing a little bit more of that story with you and how these experiences and lessons have inspired me to create the Soulful Woman series. For those of you who are listening in and may not have heard parts one and two, when you get a moment, and if this episode is something that resonates with you, please do, um, and then the content of today's show will make a lot more sense to you. So, okay, so here we go. I'm going to dive straight in and continue from where we ended in the last episode. It was a Saturday morning, the day that my ex-husband left the family home, and right at this point, it had become my responsibility to pay back and manage a little over a million pounds worth of debt. There were mortgage arrears totaling 16,000. There was a further loan of 120,000 that had been secured against the family home. There was further outstanding debt in various bank accounts, as well as repayments that needed paying back to the removal company, who had so kindly moved the girls and me back into the family home. There was the outstanding rent from the cottage we had been renting. And there was all sorts of other creditors, such as utilities, council tax, and there was other debt as well, which I wasn't aware of, but that was coming. On that Saturday morning, I remember sitting in my practice, in my natural health practice, and I was feeling such a mixture of emotions. I was bouncing around from sadness to anger to worry to strength and then back through the loop again. And I had no idea what was around the corner, but I just kept reminding myself of those inspired words that I'd heard from the Katie Tunstall song, Heal Over, and that the intuitive messages I would get when I was out walking. And so... This is what gave me the determination to take it all on and just give it my very best shot for myself and my daughters. As he left, my ex-husband said to me, for what it's worth, I'm sorry. And I walked over to him and I gave him a hug and I said, don't worry, you'll be fine. Thank you for all the lessons. Because even though I didn't know what was around the corner, I knew that I was being asked to step up and I knew it was going to challenge me. I think, to be honest, in all honesty, what I said went straight over his head, but that was, you know, that that didn't really matter. I just felt that I knew I was going to be challenged even further and that I was asking, being asked to step up. And so that was that. He, he left and um, I thought to myself that in time, perhaps we could repair our relationship Um And uh, when I say repair, I mean in the sense of taking the relationship to a level based upon respect and um, a mutual focus, which was to raise happy daughters. And I also thought that the financial agreement and obligations that had been agreed would also be upheld. So as I was walking around the home after he'd gone, there was this very strange energy that I could feel in the house. And um, when I went upstairs and went into the guest room... It looked like there was black soot on the walls, you know, black marks on the walls. Um, you know that sort of smudged look you get if you've been burning candles? You know, there's, if then it's not great quality wax and then they, it leaves that sort of black marking. So I noticed that all on several parts of the walls. And then there was, like as though a fire had been burning, and then there was this really strong smell of burning throughout the house. And um, I don't know if any of you have heard of something called clariance. 
and but it's actually the ability to access psychic knowledge through the sense of smell. So, you know, if if you try it, try it sometimes. If you can slow down enough um, and just focus, you'll know that obviously you can use your various senses to guide you. Um, and, and that includes smell. You know, we've all heard that saying, oh, I smell a rat or that energy doesn't feel right. Anyway, I could smell burning throughout the house. And um, actually, so could my mum. She had come down to stay and help me for the weekend. Um, and it felt like on an energetic or a metaphoric level, his parting gift to me was saying, I'm going to burn your house down. And I just remember thinking that during the weekend, as we spent the weekend clearing, cleansing, cleaning, lighting candles, generally reclaiming the space. And that wasn't to be um, out of disrespect to him or just wanting him out of out of the space. It was just reclaiming the energy and changing of what was about to come. Um, and I said prayers of gratitude and I space cleared the house. I used to use a spray in my clinic, um, which has been made by, was founded by Ian White. And it's the Australian Bush Space Clearing Remedy. Honestly, if you haven't heard of it, go and get it or go and look at it. Go and buy some. It's a really beautiful, powerful space clearing mist. Um, and what it helps to do is it helps to create sacred and harmonious environments and it purifies and releases environments of built up negative energies. So it's really great, you know, for clearing tense situations and restoring balance. So if you ever find yourself feeling frazzled or tense or in heated situations, it's a must. Go, go and check it out. It's the Australian bush space clearing mist. Um, yeah, so that afternoon I called a locksmith and I got several new locks put on there on the front door, including a deadlock and a new padlock on the um, side gate of the property. Um, and that was the first weekend. The following weekend I was on a mission and in between working, taking the girls to school, homework, family life, in quiet moments I was playing out the scenario of all the setbacks, the challenges, and I was trying to be really analytical. Um, I was trying to step away from the emotion and just look to see, you know, what I'd learned, what had occurred, and now how could I repay all this debt and save the family home and my business? Now, some of you might be thinking, why on earth was she trying to save the family home? Why on earth has she taken on all this debt? Well, to answer that, there were several reasons. One was I knew that somehow I could service the debt and work with the creditors and the mortgage companies. But what I couldn't do at that point was to generate the additional income needed for school fees. And that was sort of part of the agreement. My second thought and my second reason was that if my ex-husband reneged on the girl's school fees, I could, once all the debt was cleared, I had an investment that I could sell if I needed to, to pay for their school fees and their education. And three, I was fighting for me and myself and it was my name and who I was. And, you know, I was trying to save my business and carve out a new life for myself. And, you know, a life that was fulfilling and successful for me and the girls. And I really wanted to achieve great things. And, you know, I really felt I needed to step up and take on this challenge and um, make it work. 
So my first plan was basically to just stabilise the debt for a year, just just work with with everybody and stabilise the debt. And um, I called the mortgage companies, I called the creditors, and I asked what was the bare minimum that I needed to pay in order to stop legal action or defaults. Um, and I explained that I wanted to keep the communication channels open, I wanted to work with everyone, I wanted to make sure that every time there had been um, a telephone conversation that the, there were notes on the system and that they were updated. So if anyone else happened to be looking at them, they'd be able to see this dialogue of conversation and notes recorded um, and to see that I was doing what I could to pay what needed paying. I called debt management companies to learn more. Um, and I just, I kind of wanted to understand what was the very, very worst scenario and then what would be the best scenario. And so the mortgage company said to me, if you can clear the arrears of the 16,000, we'll work with you. Um, I went, okay. So at the very least, I needed to very quickly raise 16,000. But according to my calculations, in terms of emergency payments, what I really needed to get was 36,000. Um, that would be, that would be, you know, the best option. Um, and I remember just being really, my focus was razor sharp. It was like, it was not an option that I wasn't going to get that money. Um, a couple of days later, and I was out walking and another little message dropped into my mind. I tell you, these walks are just so, they're so profound in terms of stepping away from everything and being able to hear the messages from the divine and your higher self. It's a wonderful way to connect in. But um, so there I was out walking and I heard another message drop into my mind, which was to speak to a friend. Feeling a little perplexed, but obviously at this point, I also knew that when I received these messages, I was to follow the instructions. And so I did. I had a conversation with this friend and she actually lent me £20,000. And then another friend lent me £7,500 with an agreement that the loans would be repaid in full within two years. So I was like thinking, okay, here we are. I'm beginning to feel on top of my game. I, you know, had cleared off the arrears. I'd cleared off some other emergency debt. I was working with everyone. And I was thinking, I've got this. I can do this. And I had this idea that I would create um, like a little retreat in the family home and offering various natural healing modalities and different therapies from the family home. So I moved my practice into the dining room so that I could rent out my practice as a private therapy room for other therapists. I had yoga teachers renting the conservatory space and the lounge space. So there was, you know, yoga courses being run, there was meditation courses being run, and that way I could generate more income and repay the debt, his debt. And so here we were with this amazing retreat during the day or, you know, private health clinic um, full of courses and yoga and meditation and all sorts of things. And then in the evening, it would turn back into a family home. Um, I was really mindful that I wanted the house to remain feeling calm and welcoming. Um, we'd all been through so much and, and I just needed to create a little sanctuary um, during the evening. Um, because as focused as I was during the day, I I still felt very alone and I still felt very empty inside. Um, but I knew that I just needed to focus on the business and the girls. Um, 
I look back now and I see how well I was doing actually and and how far I'd come within myself. You know, I was still walking daily. I was training. I was working on my personal development, working on my emotional healing. And so just really generally learning to be a much better version of myself and learning to be quite entrepreneurial and expand my income streams. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I've got this. I've got this. I mean, I hadn't quite figured out what, and I don't think we ever do, do we? Hadn't quite figured out what all the lessons were or where I needed to keep growing. And and that would come. I I knew that that would come later. Um, I'm not entirely sure as to why the gaslighting started with a vengeance. Was it because I was winning and coping? Was it because he was unhappy or was it all part of his plan? But it started. And um, one day whilst I was on the phone with my ex-husband in conversation about our daughters, he said to me in quite a, it was actually quite an eerie tone. And he said, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to stop calling me like this. And I said, what are you talking about? We haven't spoken for over a week. And he said, don't you remember, Joanne? Don't you remember calling me 20 times last night? I put the phone down and I just screamed because I was under so much pressure. The financial pressure was immense. And then there were these lies and manipulations and they were just vile. They were horrible. And I sat on the floor and I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm going mad. I'm, uh, did I call him 20 times last night? Um, And I was quickly trying to check my call history. And of course, there was no record of 20 calls the day before. But here I was doubting myself. And so I called the mobile phone company. Um, I asked them to send me through a printout of all my calls from the previous 24 hours. And it was horrendous. And situations like this were becoming frequent. Um, I then started to receive notices in the post from bailiffs looking for payments for bills that he hadn't paid. Um, And what he had done is he would put me down and the house down as a guarantor. There was a situation in which he hadn't paid his rent for three months. Um, And again, I and the family home had been used as a guarantor. And it was just bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Um, And it really did feel like he was trying to push me to break point or should I say his intention was to push me to break point? And it really was like that feeling of, gosh, he wants to burn my house down. And on it went, and on it went. And then um, it was just about coming up for a year. And um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit there, actually. Um, so we were coming up for a year, and I had managed to stabilise the debt. There was still a huge amount of debt owed, but I cleared up a lot of it, and things were stabilising out. And I thought, okay, here we go. I thought, I'm going to go and get a buy-to-let mortgage. And what I'd do is I'd consolidate the debt and then I could rent the house out to a large corporation. And that if needed, I had an investment for the children's education. I could move to a small cottage. And at that point, because the business was growing nicely, I could relocate the business and put it in another premises where there were other practitioners Um, and all would be well. And actually, my business was doubling in turnover, which was just amazing. I was I was kind of really proud of that. Um, So I called some estate agents who came round and they gave me a rental valuation. They confirmed that the house would let easily, um, put me in touch with some great mortgage brokers. And so we started the process of applying for a buy to let mortgage. 
Um, and there were a couple of options on the table and I was ecstatic. I thought, I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. I held tight. I managed, I'm almost home and dry. And then I got a telephone call one afternoon from the broker who said to me, are you sitting down? I thought, oh God, here we go, what? He said, I'm so sorry to tell you, but your applications have been denied on the basis of your credit and defaults. And I said, what defaults? I don't have any defaults. Um, And it turns out that my ex-husband had taken out a loan in my name for £25,000. He had forged my signature on the loan and then defaulted on the the repayments. Yeah, £25,000 loan forged in my name on a loan and defaulted on the payments. The whole deck of cards was about to collapse on me. Uh, What can I say? I mean, the next few days were a blur, to be honest. And I remember sitting, feeling totally numb to my core. I stood to lose everything. I couldn't even open a bank account. And in fact, it took a further three years before I could open a bank account. So after about a week of desperately searching for clarity, I sat shuffling some angel cards, looking for answers, you know, as to what should I do? What, 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 was, what was I to do? And I drew a card that said, draw a line in the sand of time. And I sat there for a moment and I thought to myself, if this card is telling me to walk away and that I'm to walk away from my marriage with nothing, no settlement, no pension, no house, nothing but debt, which was also his debt, then that must mean that when I make a success of myself, And when I create that successful company, that it must come from within me. It must be my own energy, my own creation, and not from a settlement or the potential of him staking some sort of claim on that success. It it felt like the message was saying to me, it needs to be a clean slate and a clear slate. And so the pressure was mounting. The pressure started to mount from the mortgage company, the secondary loan, which was secured against the house. Um, They were threatening me with repossession order, um, repossession orders. And I was trying really hard to stay centred and calm and trust in the intuition. And all this wonderful advice that kept coming through and messages from the divine when I was out walking. But my ego kept kicking in and I would dip back into fear. And it was a crazy cycle. Um, And more importantly, I couldn't seem to find the clarity. I didn't know what my next step was, but I knew that I had to be seen by the mortgage companies to taking um, active steps. So I put the house on the market and I thought, okay, that's step one taken. And it's really strange because there was lots of viewings and for some reason the house wouldn't sell. And this may sound a little crazy to you, but I really felt it as though my home was saying to me, I'm just hanging on in here until all the pieces of the puzzle have fallen into place for you. And, you know, the puzzle hadn't, the clarity hadn't come yet. And I was out walking every day, still working on my emotional healing. I was working at quite a deep level because the last thing I wanted to do was to um, repeat these patterns. You know, I wanted to really understand why I had attracted the marriage breakdown why I had asked for this level of financial deception and this debt. And, you know, you know, I say that we always ask 
and choose our burdens. And I know sometimes that can be hard to imagine that we don't, but we do. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting couple of months. And not only did I kind of work on my unconsciousness, but to stay motivated, I'd watch movies that would give me inspiration, like when I felt my energy lagging. And I remember sometimes on a weekend, I would make myself something to eat and treat myself to a glass of Mr. Merlot. And I would sit there and I'd watch Erin Brockovich. If you haven't seen it, go out and see it. I'm sure you all have. It's an iconic movie. But I'd sit there and I'd say to myself, come on, Joanne, dig deep. If this one woman can bring down a whole corporation, you can handle this. You've got this. Um, And I'd read books, read lots of them. And actually one night before heading up to bed, I walked past the bookcase in the dining room, which was now my practice room. And I noticed a book on the shelf, which I'd actually bought about a year before, but never read it. Um, have you ever noticed how like a book or a movie will jump out at you or you'll hear someone say something and you know that you were meant to hear that? Do you you know what I mean? Have you ever felt that? Well, on this particular night, that book jumped out on me and I thought, oh, I'm meant to, I'm meant to read this. And it was, um, the book called Conversations with God by Neil Walsh. And it was book two. It's an amazing book. It's about, Um, Neil Walsh having a conversation with God. And actually, I'm going to read the jacket blurb for you because if you haven't read it, you'll find it really inspiring. So the jacket blurb says, suppose you could ask God the most puzzling questions about existence, questions about love, faith, life and death and good and evil. Neil Walsh was experiencing a low point in his life when he decided to write a letter to God venting his frustrations. What he did was not expect a response. And as he finished his letter, he was moved to continue writing and out came these extraordinary answers to his questions. So this book is for those with an open mind, a limited, limitless curiosity and a sincere desire to seek the truth. And that's, you know, and the book is stunning. And I thought, well, you know, this whole journey that I was on was in search of my own truth, which was obviously why I'd bought it. So here I was a year down the line, jumped into bed with this book and started reading it. And I felt really emotional. And I thought, oh, something obviously profound is about to happen. Um, because I felt, yeah, it, it, I felt very emotional. And I couldn't put the book down. And I get to a part in the book in which Neil Walsh says, Neil Walsh and God, okay, are having a conversation about children and education. And Neil says, I wish, oh, I wish there were schools such as the one you describe. And God says, there are some which seek to approach this model. These are Waldorf Steiner schools. So here I am sitting in bed reading this book, thinking Waldorf Steiner schools, what, what are these? And basically the chapter goes on about how there are so many aspects to us as humans and education is not just about facts or academics, but what about life skills? What about the emotional well-being? Um, what about the child finding out who they really are and what their calling is in life? And that, you know, you can't find these answers in just teaching facts. Anyway, I burst into tears, jumped out of bed, ran to the office and started to search and Google Waldorf Steiner schools. And, you know, I just knew the reason why the house wasn't selling was that I needed to have read this information and I needed to explore 
more about this type of education. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, is this going to take us to higher ground? I mean, I didn't know. But what I did know and what had been on my mind was that when I looked at my daughters, they looked exhausted and they looked like they had these rucksacks on their back, these rucksacks of that were filled with like psychological stress. Um, and yes, of course, that was the emotional turmoil of what we were all going through. Um, but I began to think, are they too engaged with academia in their heads, but not enough in their bodies? It's like the pressure of a results-driven academic uh, education was taking up all the space. And was there any space for them to contemplate or be taught about honesty and responsibility, about joyfulness, about fairness or self-creation or even understanding what power is or understanding peaceful conflict resolution and all these different subjects. You know, these are aspects that we all need to know. We need to know how the mind-body-spirit functions together and we need to know about awareness and wakefulness and about tolerance. And so all these things were going through my mind, all these thoughts, should I say, were going through my mind and you know when you know, I just knew it. And I think that's why I was so emotional, because I knew big change was afoot. Anyway, what I did in the next couple of weeks was I visited several Waldorf Steiner schools throughout the UK. Some were just way too far away um, from where we were living. And I was very mindful that the girls needed to be um, of close distance to their father as well. Um, and the energy didn't feel right, the, you know. Um, and then I found one which was located just over an hour away. So I spoke to my girls and I said, how would they feel about going to a really cool school um, that was a bit like an American high school in which they could wear jeans and a sweatshirt um, as their uniforms? Well, you can imagine, can't you? You can imagine their response. It was like, yay, let's do that, mommy. So um, wanting to make sure that um, this idea that I was you know, exploring was co correct. I had a, a meeting with a headmaster at a school where we were living at the time and where our daughters would have gone as their secondary school. And I'm so pleased I did because I was really honest with him and I told him my concerns and my predicament and that although the school fees were currently being paid for, I wasn't sure that that would be the situation that was honoured in the future. And although that I was growing and that my business was growing, there was still a discrepancy um, in terms of what I would personally be able to afford at this moment in time or in the next year. And notwithstanding, I still still had all this debt to manage and clear, which, um, you know, was a lot. Um, and my question was very direct to him. I said, if that day, if the girls were at that school and that day materialised, would they be turned away? And he was brilliant and very, very honest. And he said, sadly, yes, they would. Because as as much as he would love to have um, the girls there and, and be able to keep them there. At the end of the day, it's a business. And, you know, if a discount or is offered to one parent, it has to be offered to all of them. So I thought, okay, here we go. Very honest. And I really appreciated it. And I thought, okay, so this is another step potentially in place. You know, this is another step that I have to look at. But of course, you know, as as you know, when you're all going through this um when we all go through challenges, it's um, and big change, it's daunting, right? And it's um, the emotions are mixed. Um, 
but I went ahead and I arranged for an interview at the potential school that I was taking the girls to. And, um, you know, they went along and they had a look and momentum was gathering. And we still had quite a few hoops to jump through. And I, the big thing was I still needed to sell the family home. And the financial pressure just wasn't letting up. It wasn't letting up one bit. Um, and at this point, my oh, one of my biggest concerns was to make sure that I could repay both my friends and clear as much as the debt as possible. What happened from the moment my daughters had been accepted into this new school in a matter of six weeks from start to finish was astounding, literally astounding. I heard the news on a Friday morning. Of course, good news always lands on a Friday, right? Um, Friday afternoon, a friend and my sister came over and we were crunching some numbers, looking at various scenarios in order to get the house sold as quickly as we could. Um, and each scenario ended up with me realising that it was going to be as the angel card had said, which was to draw a line in the sand of time. And so I slashed the asking price by 50000 in a bid to avoid repossession and get the house sold. Um, and it was really strange because there was this situation again of my feet being in two camps. I mentioned this in, in the first episode. So on the one hand, my foot was in the camp of very much of my ego, the old way of being, clinging on to what I had, clinging on to what I knew, um, even though it was no longer serving me. And the other was calling me to start believing in myself and to believe in my own ability and to start again with nothing. Um, and I'm sure if you've experienced this, which I'm sure you probably have, you'll know exactly what I mean, because our ego is really quite strong. I mean, it's not as strong as the power within and it's not as strong as the divine and your higher self, but it can really play a number on you and and it tries to keep us locked in the fear and to, to stop us, you know, moving out of our comfort zone. So it's like clinging on to that last bit of money. Um, and if if I hadn't have slashed the price by 50,000, there would have been something, something for me to walk away with. Um, but I just remember thinking about that angel card. Anyway, the next day, um, the rain was pouring down and I sat on the sofa and it was the afternoon and I was crying and I felt quite stressed, thinking, am I going to be able to sell this house? How am I going to be able to sell the house? And I looked outside and I noticed there was a car stationary in the middle of the communal road, um, sort of outside my lounge window and it wasn't moving. And I thought, that's very strange. So I went outside and I knocked on the window and I said, oh, hello. I said, are you OK? Do you need any help? And there was an American woman sat in the car and she said, oh, hi. Um, she said, well, I'm not sure if you can help me, but um, we're moving over to the UK from Asia for a couple of years. And one of the relocation agencies had said to come and check out this little community um, because there was a couple of houses for rent here. Um, and she said, you know, we have small children, so I kind of want to check out that it's gated and it's safe. And I said, oh, yeah, it's absolutely lovely here. It's really beautiful. It's very safe. It's a lovely little community. And then she said to me, to be honest, I'd really like to buy rather than rent, but there are no houses for sale here, are there? And I looked at her in disbelief and I said, but my house is up for sale. I mean, I don't want to sell it, but I'm in no position to, and my house is up for sale. And she just kind of looked at me quizzically and I said, would you like to come on in? So 
she came in, we had a cup of tea, she had a look around, then we had a bottle of wine and we had some nibbles and then we did the deal. And I just sold my house privately to a woman who that afternoon had gotten off a plane from Asia and landed outside my lounge window, outside my front door. It was crazy. I mean, talk about everything coming into alignment. And it felt like the house was sort of smiling and saying, now it's time to be sold. You know, you know where you're going to be going next. Um, the next morning she came back, we used my divorce lawyer's conveyancing team and she also asked if she could buy some of the furniture so that they had the basics when they were arriving. And it really was, it was like the dominoes effect. I called the estate agency um, on the Monday who had had the house on the market um, and I explained what had happened over the weekend and actually, they were brilliant. They said, look, you found the buyer. It wasn't through our recommendations. It wasn't as though she had walked past the office window and seen your property up for sale. It was literally as though she's been brought to you by a miracle. So no fee needed, you know, for us. You just go ahead and sell that house privately, which was, again, like it was just like everything was coming into alignment. So after the house sale after paying my both friends, after selling all our furniture, literally selling everything but my bed, practically selling everything, the remaining legal fees owed for the conveyancing and the divorce costs, after booking the removal van, van to take up the personal items that we had left, after finding a tiny little cottage, which was like a beautiful little chocolate box cottage, which was partly furnished, and we could rent that for a year. It happened to be one of the teachers in the new school that the girls were going to. She was heading off traveling for a year. So we could we could stay there for a year. No deposit was needed and the rent was a thousand pounds a month. Guess what was left out of clearing that lot? Yes, one thousand pounds. So there was a month's rent left. I still couldn't open a bank account. My credit was wrecked. There was still a further 20,000 plus unsecured debt to clear that I hadn't been able to pay off in all the house sale and um, everything else. My ex-husband was still being psychologically abusive and I had a thousand pounds in my back pocket. And that, beautiful people, is the perfect place to end today's episode. As always, I wish you a fantastic weekend and wherever you are right now and whatever you're doing, please remember that you are the most amazing, wonderful, powerful being. For now, much love.